Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Come on, let's all lift one hand. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated in the house if you can. Open your Bible to John chapter number 5. John chapter number 5. I want to teach this morning, and we may do a little bit of recap even, on, on faith in unstable times. If there's ever been a time in your life where the opportunity for some instability has shown up, it's probably right about now. The last 12 months, even the last 18 months, it just, just globally, corporately, individually, there's just been radical challenges and, and radical differences. So in order for you to be prepared to maintain your faith, you need to go in with the full armor of God. Come on, somebody. You got to walk out of the house every morning understanding that you're actually on the battlefield. You are actually a, a recruit and an ambassador for the kingdom of Almighty God. When, when God saved you, it was actually, it was actually an exchange. Somebody say exchange. It was His life for your life. So there are some expectations on a believer that God places on us. Those expectations are to make it where the blood of Jesus was not just a ticket, but rather an entry point into a kingdom. The blood of Jesus is not the finish line. The blood of Jesus is the starting line for your new life. So when you go from now until you actually see Jesus face to face, you're going to have some challenges. So our goal as believers is to maintain and to exhibit our faith in unstable times and challenging times. It does not require any faith for you to believe God when everything is taken care of. But it does require faith for you to believe God when what you know the Word of God says is not being seen at that moment. So God will lift up a standard against the enemy when he tries to come in like a flood. True or false? Okay, think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three young men that were told with the whole nation that if you hear any music, you have to bow to your knees to this statue, effectively a demon statue, but a statue of a, of a guy named Nebuchadnezzar who was the ruling king at that time. They said, they said, well, listen, listen we just want to give you a heads up. We're not going to bow when the music plays, okay? So you got to make the decision before the instability gets there. Husbands and wives, you got to make the decision that divorce is not on our, on our docket before you get to the challenge, before you get to the instability. You've got to make some decisions before you get there because if you wait till you get there, did you know when emotions run high, wisdom runs low? When emotions run high, wisdom runs low. 
So you want to make your decisions before your emotions are involved. So you got to decide, this is how I'm going to live before you get the opportunity to actually make that choice. You got to decide that God's word is correct without regard to how you feel on any given moment. Because it's real easy to say God's word is correct about a topic if that topic has never come close to your home. But then when that topic comes close to your home, now you got to make some decisions. Now you got to decide, am I going to hold the line or am I going to decide that my circumstances are going to dictate my position? You got to shift and decide that I'm going to keep my faith in an unstable time. I'm going to keep my faith in a stable time and I'm going to use the word of God as the platform whereby I will stand on and I will see the hand of God come to pass in my life. Give God a hand of praise right there. John chapter number one, John chapter number five, verse number one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went to Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city, is the center of the universe. That's the easiest way to understand it. Jerusalem is the center of the universe. Uh, the Israel, the Israeli people, uh, God has claimed them. He claimed them before they even knew that he was. So that land belongs to Israel. And as, as society goes, there's going to be a thousand good reasons that that should not be the case. But God, God's word settles the position of a believer when it comes to Israel. So if you don't want to believe that Israel belongs to Israel, that's fine. But you are in stark contrast to the Bible. Therefore, you are removing some of God's word from his holy book. So if you take that stance, please do not call yourself a believer in that arena. Because you're not. You're a changer in that arena. You decided to change what the word of God said because somebody else convinced you with some timely photographs or timely video or dare I say propaganda. But Israel belongs to Israel and Israel belongs to the Lord our God. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. Now when he was in Jerusalem by the sheep market, uh, there was a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Everybody say Bethesda. It had five different porches off of it. Now, Bethesda literally means house of mercy. House of mercy, and it also could be translated flowing water. The church should be a house of mercy, but it also should be flowing with the water of the word of God. Because mercy without truth is cruel. Mercy without truth is cruel. If you're willing to be merciful but not willing to tell somebody the truth, all you're doing is postponing their their pain. But if you'll tell somebody the truth, then they'll have the same opportunity you had. 
And you'll, they'll have the opportunity to give their life to Jesus. They'll be waking up at six, seven o'clock on a Sunday morning, getting the shoes on their kids' feet. Come on, somebody. Getting them to the house of God. They'll have the same opportunity that you had if you'll tell them the truth. So the Bible says uh, that Jesus came and he went to this place and, and he went to the pool of Bethesda, which is considered the house, uh, 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 which is translated house of mercy. And the scripture says there was five covered porches or five porticos around it. Everybody say five. Anytime you ever see the number five in the Bible, it's the number of grace. Grace means unmerited favor. When you come to the house of mercy, when you come to the place where the water of the word of God flows, you ought to be experiencing some favor on your life. You ought to be tapping into some grace on your life. Come on, you can't let the water of the word uh, just hit you and bounce off. It actually has to be consumed by you. And once it is consumed by you, then the Bible says out of your own belly will flow rivers of living water. Everybody say multiplication. God doesn't expect you to drink rivers, but he'll let rivers flow out of you. So you put the water that you can get in, in, and then God, through his supernatural power, because he is not a God of subtraction, he is not a God of addition, he is a God of multiplication. When you take whatever you can of the word of God in you, supernaturally, God does something between you putting it in and him pouring it out. All of a sudden, what you drank in a cup turns into a river. Come on, somebody. So the Bible says that there were five porches there and many people would wait around, uh, by these, by, by these, by these porches. Verse three, it says there was a great multitude of impotent or, or paralyzed people, people that were blind, uh, people that were halt. They couldn't walk. They were paralyzed also, uh, people that were, that were withered, meaning that they had conditions where, where a hand or a foot was was withered up and wouldn't move anymore. And they were waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4 says, because an angel went down at a certain season. Somebody say certain season. There's just seasons. Sometimes I like that. Sometimes I don't. When the Lord spoke to me and said 2021 would be the year of the arena, that we would be in conflict practically the whole year, Number one, I was glad he gave us kind of a heads up. But how many of you like the idea of, you know, the Lord saying something like, I tell you what, everybody's going to like you every day. It's going to be incredible. You're probably going to get a promotion and a raise today. It's going to be amazing. Praise the Lord. Like that's a, that's a funner season a lot of times, but there's seasons to everything. Listen, do you guys remember February when we had like six inches of snow out here? If you would have tried to go and plant some corn on that day, you would have been very disappointed in your seed because it wasn't the right season. There are seasons for everything under the sun. If I had time, I'd teach you about timing. The Bible also says there's not just seasons, says there's timing. You may be watching somebody be blessed around you say, man, I really thought this was my season. Well, let me tell you something. Every strawberry in a field is not ripe the same day. They're all ripe in a season, but there is a, there is some element of, of, there is some breadth to a season, but everybody has, has an opportunity to, to have their right time come. Listen, if, if, if your time for whatever you're believing God for hadn't come in, I have, I have good gospel news for you. If you'll press towards the mark for the prize, if you'll continue to endure, the Bible says if you don't faint, if you don't quit, you are going to reap. It just has to be the right time. 
It's got to be the right season. So the Bible says that in a certain season uh, that an angel would come down. And uh, when the angel would come down, he would trouble the water. Everybody said trouble. He'd trouble the water. And whoever was first after the troubling of the water that stepped in, got in, jumped in, or just made their way into the water, was made whole of whatsoever disease they had. So the angel would come down in a certain season and he would trouble the water. All right, if you're taking notes, I'd write this down. If you're going to keep your faith in unstable times, you cannot let a little trouble get you out of the will of God. Because here's what I found. There is little need for the miraculous in the absence of trouble. The fact that there is a troubling is why you actually can access the miraculous. There's always a movement to the things of God. You remember in in, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and filled all the disciples that were in that room. There was a, there was a sound from heaven like a rushing, mighty wind. And then they spilled out onto the streets. There was movement when God began to do something. When, when the people would watch Moses walk up Mount Sinai, they were all terrified because of the thunder and the lightning that was around Mount Sinai because there was movement attached to it. When Elijah called down fire from heaven, there was a movement where the fire came from heaven and filled the, and filled in, uh, the altar in flames and, and, and all that was laid on the altar was consumed and all the water around the altar was consumed. There's going to have to be some troubling in your life that you're going to have to get comfortable in the face of trouble if you're going to actually act the miraculous. You're going to have to get comfortable in uncomfortable situations. God didn't save you so you can sit on your holy lazy boy at home. Come on, somebody. He saved you so that you can be a spectacle for the kingdom of God. And that when you go to heaven, there's entire city blocks up there that say, I'm saved because that person right over there that lives in that house told me about Jesus Christ. That's the reason why we're still here. If you didn't have anything else to do, you'd be gone already. If you didn't have anything else to do, you'd already be walking on streets of gold. So the fact that you have a breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart means God's not through with you. So if the devil tries something, so be it. Because what we know is when there is troubling, there is miraculous. Come on, I get excited when I start getting under attack. I start telling the devil, I start, sometimes I'll just keep a log. I say, okay, here's what you did, and I won't forget, and neither will my God. I have found that if you'll start a list, the list starts to get short pretty quick because he starts realizing you're keeping an account. Come on, somebody. On what he owes. And anything that he steals from you, time, effort, money, peace, period, he owes a return to you sevenfold. Sevenfold. Come on, let's just faith for just a second. I'm talking about sevenfold peace for, for, for that guy running out on you. Sevenfold. I'm talking about sevenfold peace for that contract that was taken from you and it shouldn't have been taken from you. 
I'm talking about sevenfold peace for that prodigal son or daughter that you know good and well has a call of God on their life and they're just running from it. I'm talking about sevenfold. I'm talking about a sevenfold anointing getting on them. I'm talking about them being seven times more effective when they finally start serving God. I'm talking about seven times more effective. You say, well, I don't know. It just looks like trouble right now. Well, throw me in the water because when there's troubling, that's when the miraculous breaks out. Talking about a shift. I'm talking about keeping your faith in unstable times. So the Bible says the angel would come down and would trouble the water. And the first person that would get in there would literally be made whole. And the Bible says a certain man was there. Somebody say certain. So there's a certain season and a certain man. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't experienced it yet, it just means your time hadn't hit. Because God already has an arranged plan to bring you out of whatever you're dealing with. One of my favorite things to do is talk smack to the devil in the valley. You remember David had his slingshot, walked out there. King Saul had told him, why don't you wear all my armor? He put it on. The Bible says, I haven't proved this. Can I say this to you? Don't try to wear somebody else's armor to your battle. It wasn't, it wasn't fit for you. It was fit for them. If I, if, if I had time, I, I, I'd teach you about all the different times in my life where it took me longer than I would prefer to admit to realize who I really was. The Bible says that the giant Goliath, he started screaming. He said, little boy, actually he called him a dog. He said, you guys send me a little dog out here? He said, what are you doing? He, all he's got is a, a stick. He's got a staff in his hand. He's got a, he's got a, a little sling. Are you kidding me? He said, little dog boy, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you to the birds. And David, you got to understand, he's probably a young teenager at this time. So I, I, I think God can use young people. Come on, I'm believing God in Jesus' name. When our young people come back to camp, they're going to have their staff and their sling. So he sits there. He says, he says, he says, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you the birds. And David said, no, 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 no. He said, he said, you come against me with a sword and a spear. He said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. He said, you're not going to cut my head off. He said, I'm going to cut your head off today. Now listen how amazing that declaration was. He didn't even have a sword. So he goes and he slings his stone just like you remember uh, in the story that you've heard. And when he lets go of it, that stone buries itself in the forehead of Goliath. And Goliath falls to the ground. And Bruce Buffer says, knocked out by TKO. The stone buries in the forehead of that giant and he falls down. And when he falls down, the Bible says that David comes over and he said, well, you know, I did say I was going to cut his head off. He said, but I don't know. Oh, there's a sword right there. He reaches over in Goliath's belt, pulls Goliath's big bronze sword out, lifts it over his head. And with one mighty blow, he cuts his head off. And then he does something amazing with it. He carried it around for everybody to see. Can I just say this? Please take your testimony with you. We need to know what God did through your life. 
Listen, if you got it together now in an area, I dare you to be bold enough to share with somebody how God actually got you out of what you used to be into what you are now. Because there's people looking at you. There's people looking at you and they're saying, oh, I want to be married 30 years. But they have no idea what the first five years were like. There's people that see you clean and put together and everything now. And they have no idea that you would have sold your shoes to have one more hit 10 years ago. They have no idea. you got to carry your testimony with you so that somebody else can be free. Because if you're going to set people free, there's a two-part recipe. The Bible says the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. you got to carry your testimony with you. If you're going to have faith in unstable times, you got to constantly regurgitate what God's word said over and over and over. What does it say? What does it say? Then you also have to regurgitate what did God do for you? Because somebody can argue with you about the Bible. They can decide, oh, you know what? You know, I just don't think that, you know, whatever. I don't believe that. Okay, praise the Lord. But Jesus changed my life. They can't argue with a testimony. They can call you a liar, but if you hadn't been called a liar at least once or twice a week, I don't know if you're doing anything. <laughs> if somebody's not calling you a liar, you're not, you're not telling the whole truth. How many of you God's ever done, a, I'm not joking, a miracle in your life? There are people in this world that are not going to believe in the miraculous. But you got to carry that testimony anyway. Somebody say amen to that. So there's a certain, there's a certain season. Let's call it this. There was a certain pool, certain place, certain time, certain person, certain place, a certain time, and a certain person. If you're going to keep faith in an unstable time, you got to make sure that you do not get moved away from the place where you know the miraculous moves. Where, what was it in your life that brought about the biggest change? Where is the place that you have been embraced by God himself? For me, a lot of it is right here at New Heights Church. I walk in. Sometimes I come up here. I, I like to come up here when there's, when there's nobody here. I give the staff Fridays off. And one of the reasons, A, because they work their brains out. Can we have a hand clap for our New Heights staff? But one of the others is, I just like the quietness of a Friday. I like to come and, and walk this place. And sometimes I'll, I'll lay down in a pew right back there. And I'll just ask God, whoever sits here. Sometimes I'll move the chairs around a little bit, but I try to put them back so that Kip doesn't know I moved them. <laughs> I'll come and stand where I think each member of the worship team is going to stand. And I said, would you anoint their, would you anoint their song?" Would you do it, Lord? Whatever they're going through, would you bring them to total victory? Would you do it swiftly? They love you. They're bringing you their tithes. 
their time and their talent. Would you repay it a hundredfold, please, Lord? May sound silly. I'll touch the doorknobs. I said, Lord, anybody that touches this door, Lord, I ask that they would be blessed. I'll go through the parking lot looking for cigarette butts because cigarettes are getting expensive. (laughs) Everybody who's been here for a while is laughing. Everybody else is like, well, I was going to stay, but now I don't know. I'll let you decide if I'm joking. I'll walk the property. Call me old school. I'll anoint everything and anything with oil. Because there's a place. And you can't let something move you from the place. Because I find it interesting. We're about to find out of, of a man who got healed at that location. But it didn't happen how he was expecting but it was still in the same. See, you can get moved out of your place of blessing because you didn't get the miracle the way you thought. I thought he was going to say this. I thought she was going to do this. I didn't think anybody was going to blank. I thought it was going to be different. I didn't know. Boom, boom, boom. And you end up expecting it to show up and you're telling God how to deliver. Instead of saying, I'm here to receive. Interesting what Jesus says. Watch this. Almost done. Come help me on the keys, please. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew that he'd been there a long time in that case, he said unto him, will you be made whole? Jesus asked the question, will you receive? He didn't say, will he deliver? He didn't say, are the waters going to be troubled today? He didn't say, is an angel coming down today? He said, will you receive? It's the age old question. So if you're going to keep your faith in unstable times, you can't get moved from your place. And then you've got to decide, I'm here to receive. And I don't care if anybody else gets anything. Respectfully. You got to decide. I'm here. If you're going to keep your faith in unstable times, you got to decide. I'm going to receive my miracle, even if it doesn't show up how I thought it was going to show up. And then you got to, anybody, anybody like, like basketball? Did y'all see LeBron got beat? It's a side note. I'm not saying I don't like him. This is a question. The way we knew he got beat is because the score for the Phoenix Suns was higher than the score for the L.A. Lakers. Listen to this. When the clock ran out. Everybody say life's not a game. The clock ran out because it was a game. The man had been there 38 years. What if he'd have stopped at year three? What if he'd have stopped at year 37? 
you got, you got to get the time clock off your life. Your life's not a game. You got to decide, I'm here till, till, the, till the miracle shows up. And if the miracle uh, manifests when I'm standing on streets of gold, then I will thank him just exactly like I will thank him if it happens right now. Now, I'm going to believe it to be today right now. That's what I'm going to believe. But if for whatever reason that certain time hasn't hit my life yet, the Bible says that God knows the end from the beginning. You don't know the end from the beginning. You have no idea that God is setting up all the dominoes in place right now for that moment in your life. So your job is to not grow weary. Come on, somebody and well-doing because you got an, you have an appointment with the miraculous in your life if you don't faint. 38 years he'd been there. Everybody say, life's not a game. Take down the clock. He said, will you be made whole? Will you receive Thank you for that, Lord. Will you receive? I ask you today. Will you receive? Let's just be honest. Are there some buts in your life that are blocking your reception? I'll do anything you want, God. But... Is there a place in your life where God has challenged you to go and talk to somebody and you had too many butts, but I'm running late? Maybe you're not running late. Maybe you're too busy. Oh, I'll do anything for you, God. Awesome. Uh, instead of watching Netflix for three hours, crack that Bible open. But I'm tired. I'll do anything you want, God. I want to be closer to you. Wake up 30 minutes earlier and give the first 30 minutes of your day to me. But I'm not a morning person. Well, is there anything in your life that is stopping you from receiving? I'll do anything you want, God. I want you to really sow, and it's a seed that you, you, it just, it just, it's bigger than your mind, and you're like, well, I'm gonna make sure that was God before I do it. (laughs) The devil doesn't tell you to give, by the way. I'll do, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. Maybe the question that we really need to ask ourselves is, am I blocking any reception in my life? This is something I ask myself all the time. Is there, is there some dialogue or some monologue in my life that is blocking or inhibiting what God is trying to do? Is there something left over from a troubling season in my life that I haven't let go of? There's somebody that I haven't forgiven. There's somebody I know I've hurt and I haven't gone to them and said I apologize. I'm not talking about you, Jake. Stop looking at me, man. <laughs> Jake gets it, yo. Is there somebody in my life that I know I should have approached or I should have approached quicker? Did 
it stop you from receiving something because you got all these butts in the way? Will you be made whole? It doesn't say, is church going to be awesome today? Is the Spirit of God going to make us all cry? Is the Spirit of God going to give me goosebumps? And I get to go tell everybody, I had chill bumps the whole service. Oh my God, it was amazing. Does it say that? It says, will you receive? There was no angel that day. There was the one who made the angels. He said, will you be made whole? And the man says to him, he says, sir, I'm sorry. I have no man. And God, and Jesus said, or he could have said, that's correct. He said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I'm coming, another steps in before me. Can I say it differently? He said, I'm last all the time. I'm always last. Jesus could have said, well, in my kingdom, the last are first. So it's a good day for you. That's why I'm here. I'm here for the forgotten. The Lord asked me a few years ago. It was a very intimate moment. And he said to me, he said, what do you want? I said, I want, I want the forgotten. I want the rascals. I, I want the ones who never felt like they found a place where they fit in. That's who I want. God, make a spectacle of New Heights Church. And if you send us some, some real normal people, that's cool too. But send us the people that nobody wants. Everybody clapping those people. <laughs> that's a joke. I'll clap with you. That's a joke. I tried to fit in so many different places. I just ended up being a square peg. I tried to fit in. I said, man, I just want to be in a place where everybody wants to like give their life for this. I want people around me that are going to give their life for this. That's what I want. I want my life to, to mean something. I don't want to tell my kids, serve God, don't do what we did. I want to tell my kids, serve God just like you watched your mother and father do it all the days of their life. He said, he said I don't have anybody. He said, it'll throw me in. He said, I'm last. I had no idea that the king of the kingdom, where the last or first, was asking him questions. He says to him, he says, you got no, I said, I got nobody in. Throw me in. Everybody steps in front of me. Jesus ignored his complaining. Prophesy, preacher, that's a good word. Well, thank you very much. The good words always hit harder. You, you like want to clap, but you're like, ow. You want to say amen, but you're like, oh me. He ignored his complaining. Is there any prayer life? Is there any part of your prayer life that if it was heard third person would just sound like complaining? Results, not response. I want to see heaven move. Jesus said to him, Rise.
Somebody's going to need to see you rise up. There's an anthem coming out of this house right now. It's called We Rise Up. Very soon the world will hear it. Jesus said, rise. Take up your bed. faith in an unstable time you're going to have to carry that testimony because sometimes your testimony will set somebody else free but in my life more often than not see I, I love hearing your testimonies and it encourages me with all due respect it's hard for me to verify them and I don't have to I'm not saying I'm the judge of it and you're not the judge of mine. But I remember with explicit details the things that God has brought me through. Carrying that bed around didn't just tell everybody else he could walk. It also reminded him he could walk. And sometimes your testimony is being drug around for you as much as it is somebody else. So if you're going to maintain faith in an unstable time, you're going to have to remember what God did for you. Don't you sit there. Don't you sit there and let all the details of your problem become the loudest noise in your head. When you hear those details, you start reminding those details what God has done in the past. You start reminding those details. There was a day that I was laying by a pool. And one day a man walked up. Not an angel, but a man walked up. And he said to me, will you be made whole? And I did everything I could to hear what he said. And then all of a sudden he said something to me. He said, rise up, pick up your bed and start walking. And something changed in my life. And I began to walk by. I began to walk off. And I realized what, what was in my hand was the weapon to make sure that I never got back in that condition condition again somebody say I'm not going back something shifts when you decide to take your testimony with you last thing I'm going to read last verse I'm going to read immediately somebody say immediately see that's how it always looks to the world they have no idea the 38 years of tears that you went through to get to an immediately moment And immediately, the Bible says, immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews, therefore, said unto him that was cured, it's not lawful to you for you to carry your bed today. So they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. Jesus told him, carry your bed around. And all the religious people said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you just shut up about what God did for you? Because what they were really criticizing was his testimony. What they, what they were really criticizing was his testimony. There's going to be half to. I like the fact that they didn't even say that, that, that it wasn't true. They said he's cured. <laughs> like that happened every moment in Jerusalem before Jesus got there. It did not. They even agreed that he was healed. I just didn't want anybody to know it. Because if you put your bed down, now you're just walking. 
Nobody has any idea you used to couldn't. You put your testimony down, nobody knows what where you came from. And there's certain elements of how much detail you should share in any given moment. But if nobody knows that you came out of something, they don't know that God will take you out of something. They'll just look at your now. Come on, they'll hear, they'll hear, they'll, they'll hear, they will hear about a good deal that you have going on. And they'll say, man, this guy just suddenly all the time gets good deals. Having no idea of the seed that you've sown. If you're going to maintain your faith. In unstable times, you're going to have to tote that testimony around. And you got to understand, everybody's not going to be thrilled about it. People like redemption stories when it's them. And people like to judge when it's you. People like redemption stories when it's them. But when it's you, they want to talk about, oh, you should see them now. They're going good. But just don't forget, they're just like this. I work so hard to not say that kind of stuff. People love redemption stories when it's when they're the topic. People like to judge redemption stories when you're the topic. Carry it anyway. Carry your story anyway. Come on, David. Carry your story anyway. Come on, man by the pool. Carry your story anyway. Come on, Joseph. Put that coat on anyway. Come on, carry it anyway. Let, let, it, let it be when, when, people, when people hear about you that they can't, they can't hear about you without knowing that God has done something miraculous in your life. And the miraculous showed up, not in all the pleasant Placid times, but the miraculous actually showed up when everything was troubled in your life. It was the fact that God allowed you to go into that troubled situation that you found out that He would set you free from that troubled situation. It was the fact that He took you to the Red Sea that you found out He would move the Red Sea. It was the fact that He took you to Jericho that you found out your shout had wall wrecking power in it. It's the fact. He allowed what you loved to be forgotten so that in a moment you could have a Lazarus moment and see something that everybody else had counted out come right back to life. Can you give God a hand of praise this morning? I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, Subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.